20 participants, 28, 29 participants to join in, 34, 40. So those of you that are just now joining us, let me just say thank you. We appreciate you joining us. And Sean and Steve, we appreciate you guys uh, participating in this to help the Texas inspectors. And I think this ought to be a great class. I mean, we cut it to the very end uh, of January, it seems like. But the reason we did this is because we started having so many questions come in about the report form, about the new changes and SOPs and you know, how do I get the Word document to use if that's what they're using for their report form? So, uh, you know, it's just uh, uh, a lot of questions. So we're trying to push this thing in. And that's the reason we don't have it as a uh, uh, Trek continued education class. So this does not provide Trek credit for those of you that are attending. And we're up over 109 right now that's wow. joined us. So. Uh, welcome, guys. I would ask if you would give us a, a question, put it in the chat box, and uh, we'll stop periodically and go through those questions uh, if they're not already answered. So and with that, I'm going to say introduce to you Steve Reinhardt and Sean Emmerich. Uh, both of them serve on the Trek IEC board and have for many years. I know this year Sean has stepped up to be the chair of that thing. And uh, good luck on that, Sean. Appreciate you stepping up, buddy. Uh, Steven's, Steven's done that before. Of course, he steps backwards now. Yeah. Uh, he said, no, let somebody else do it. But oh, hey, we appreciate y'all's work and appreciate y'all's uh, representation at, at Trek. Yes, sir. Steve, Steven's getting ready to start drawing his uh, pension. Yeah. <laughs> his big Trek pension. <laughs> All right. right. Well, Sean, I'll let you, let you start it off then. Okay. All right. Well, I uh, like... Uh, Hold on one second, Sean. I had one chat. Somebody said, is this for Texas only? Yes, this class is designed for the Texas license home inspectors that hold a Texas real estate inspector's license. Uh, you're more than welcome to join us and, and listen to it, but this is, that is for a Texas class only. So uh, right now, Sean, we're up to 127 people still joining. So again, right. if you're joining late, welcome. We appreciate you being here. Sean, I'll leave it up to you. Okay. All right. I appreciate it, Paul. So uh, my name is Sean Emmerich. Uh, I've been inspecting in and around the Houston area since 1998. Um, so I've seen a few houses over the years. Uh, I started off as a, this was my part-time job when I was working for the fire department and um, it quickly grew into a full-time job. So now I, re now I retired from the fire department and this is all I do the last 10 plus years. So uh, and in 2017, I got uh, appointed to the Truck Advisory Inspectors Advisory uh, Committee, and um, and a couple of years ago, and immediately I was put on the SOP uh, subcommittee, and we met periodically trying to update the uh, standards of practice, and we made a big push uh, over the last two years. COVID slowed us down a little bit, but uh, thanks to the remote meetings and Zoom, we were able to. Um, push through this and get everything adopted. Uh, so I chaired that committee the last two years, the subcommittee, um, and I tried to promote as much activity as possible amongst the inspectors community. I know Paul joined several times and we had probably a dozen or so participants in the meetings and um, it was not this way, this is the only way it's gonna be. Uh, we were very open to suggestions but we also had some directions from Trek on what needed to be updated and how things need to be changed. 
Um, and once we got a rough draft, we took it to the whole full committee and we're, uh, were able to get input from the full committee and any visitors that were there that time. And then we took it back, made some final changes, and then it was presented to the commissioners after passing. So what I'm gonna do is just go through some of the highlights of changes um, and we can talk about all that. And then we can go through the report template um, and Stephen can, uh, he was chairing the uh, education subcommittee. Um, so he was on the other side that's trying to, to bring our educational pieces up to current SOPs and reflect what we changes we've made. So, uh, so I don't know uh, if everybody has, you can find the SOPs on Trucks website, the new updated ones that go in effect uh, Tuesday. Um, I have a copy right here, so I'm just gonna kind of go through there. Um, the current copy that's on Trek's website has stamped all across there, do not use before 2-1-22. And the reason behind that is Trek was very concerned about releasing these in advance where inspectors start following these and not following an existing one before these were actually uh, went into law or went into effect. Um, so uh, there's there's a, some changes in here that Trek wanted to make sure everybody followed the old ones before this one went into effect. So, so just starting with the general provisions, um, we had some clarification in the required and reasonable appropriate tools to satisfy the requirements of the standards of practice. So we looked at that section um, that talks at section C where we're just getting into the scope of what the uh, standards of practice are and the general provisions where it kind of lays out the requirements of the tools. And there was some kind of the back history on that is, and Steve, I remember some of these conversations where uh, there were some inspectors disciplined in Texas um, for, uh, I believe it was a dryer receptacle not being checked. And we had a lot of conversations whether that was a specialized tool or not. Um, and there were some directives from Trek on if we should uh, specifically call out every single tool an inspector in, te in Texas is expected to carry and to use on a regular basis. And we just felt like as a, as a subcommittee that that was not a good idea for us to try to address every single tool. Um, so how we addressed that is that we just came up with a blanket statement that basically says that the inspector needs to use, I mean, we're all intelligent, we've all been to school, we've all been trained, we need to use the appropriate tools to satisfy the, the standards of practice. So if there's a, a standards of practice now that talks specifically about 250 volt circuits, we need, we need to verify that there's power present there. So the inspector is required now to figure out what tools he wants to use, he or she wants to use to check that receptacle or to check that circuit. Uh, so that's why there's a clarification made in there. Uh, we add some comments about uh, sewer line cameras because I know a lot of inspectors are now using sewer line cameras, um, which was uh, approved by the Texas, whatever the attorney general ruled in favor of the inspectors that home inspectors can run cameras, sewer line cameras, uh, and the definition of plumbing was redefined. So instead of coming out with an SOP on this is how you use a drone. This is how you use a sewer line camera. And this is how you use an infrared camera and on and on and on. Uh, what we put in here was that the inspector needs to have 
uh, these specialized tools that the inspector needs to have whatever training necessary to demonstrate that they're competent to use those uh, specialized equipment. So we listed in there uh, cameras, sewer line cameras, drones, uh, infrared cameras, elevation devices. So if you're using any of those devices that are outside of what the standard of practice call for, uh, you need to have some kind of certificate or some kind of training to say, this is, I'm doing this and I've been trained and I'm, I'm proficient in that. Um, uh, the uh, enforcement division, has, we've talked to them a lot about this. And if there's something, say for example, if there's some kind of complaint generated for a drone, you were flying a drone um, and so a consumer generated a, a complaint to Trek about uh, whatever you were doing with this drone, uh, enforcement would want to see your FNA license showing that you have been uh, certified to use this drone, that you have some kind of training and knowledge to use it. So that would be their baseline to establish that. So if you're doing sewer line inspections, please get some type of cert certification or training so you can demonstrate if anything ever comes up to track that you've been trained and have knowledge on how to use this sewer line camera. So that, that was how we kind of addressed all the specialized equipment is by saying the inspector smart enough to figure out what tools he needs to use. And if he has to use specialized tools, then they need to get training on that and be able to demonstrate that. So that was kind of the big section there. Uh, we add some definitions for gas distribution sections because uh, we did add a gas section in the uh, plumbing. Uh, for years, there's been lots of requests to uh, gas section. Stephen, how long ago was it that gas was in the track report template? Was it? It the, was in, I know, at least 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and then there was a, a I was going to say about eight, 10 years ago, there was some kind of reorganization of the form where we took out some things. If been around a while you remember there used to be trash compactors and doorbells yes. yeah. when we took them out it wasn't that you didn't have to inspect them it just wasn't you know on the report form and right. gas was there i think we had we had uh outdoor kitchen or cooking appliances yeah we had whole house vacuum systems i think yep. there was a line for that yep so some of the things we realized you know if it was something that five percent of the houses or less had it probably didn't need to be in the report right form yes yeah so that's what um there was some a lot of um there was a feedback from a lot of different inspectors from around the state saying we don't know where to put the gas stuff um, we tried our best to clarify um where to put the gas you know we have a gas section now <clears throat> Uh, we attempted to take gas out of every section of the report and put it in the gas section, but um, there came back some feedback that, well, what if the heater, a specific component at the heater uh, has a gas problem? Where do we report that? So we still left gas in a few sections uh, of each individual appliance, but uh, overall, the gas was all moved to one section of the plumbing. So, uh, so there was a little housekeeping on that, housekeeping on addressing the current standard uh, report. 
that's been uh, revised and we'll talk about that in a second. And then uh, a lot of the other stuff was left the same. We clarified the departure provision. Uh, there was a desire to make sure that, um, take for example, if an inspector never checks a TMP valve. Um, we wanted to clarify that that inspector needs to be notifying the client um, uh, as soon as practical that they do not, they're departing from that part of the standard of practice. Um, so we clarified in the, uh, the SOPs, just change, just work, just strengthen the wording. The wording was already there, but it basically says if the inspector routinely departs from an inspection of a component or system required by the standards of practice, the inspector has reason to believe that this, uh, the property being inspected includes that component or system. The inspector shall perform shall not perform the inspection of the property until the inspector notifies the client or the prospective client that the component or system will not be inspected. So basically there's just, uh, we just really wanna encourage people if they're not, we're not saying it's the end of the world. Like let's say you don't ever get on two story roofs or one, one story roofs. You just did not feel comfortable walking on one story roof. You do not wanna get on a one story roof and you will never get on a one story roof. We wanna make sure that the consumer when they hire you understands that you're gonna inspect the roof using a drone, binoculars or whatever, but you're, you're gonna depart from the standards of practice and not get on that one story roof ever. Um, or crawl space, if you don't ever get underneath houses, the consumer, Trek feels like the consumer needs to know that so they can make a decision if they continue, you know, once you continue to do the inspection, since it is required by the SOPs. And that was pretty much a wrap on the uh, general provisions. We have anybody, any comments or questions over that? Yeah, we got one question, I suppose. It says, can we move the report identification line to the bottom of the page? Um, let's see. Report identification line? Are we talking yeah, about a footer? Or what are you talking about? I'm trying to find that too. Uh, I see it on uh, page, the top of page three when we start into the structural systems. I don't believe you can move that, um, but we can, right. get we can get clarification from enforcement. Do you see what he's talking about, Stephen? I mean, on the form. Yeah, on the form. Let me grab uh, a form here. After you go through the first two pages of the form, the top of the structural systems and every page after that, it says report notification. And I don't think you can move that. Hold on, I'm opening up a new one here. There we go. Because the, the stuff on the bottom has to stay there and I don't think you can, I don't think. Well, they, you're allowed to change the footer on everything but page one. So you can put your own, and these are typically software driven. Right. Uh, so even though the example shows the promulgated by Trek on every footer. Right. The rules only require, the rules only state that you cannot, yeah, you cannot change it on the page one. That's not, that's page one, not counting a cover sheet. Right. So that one's unnumbered. So you can change, I don't know the report identification. 
Let me, uh, I'm going to write this down and we'll I'll email enforcement after yeah. the job. So we may have three different types of answers. One is one we've already addressed and we kind of know the answer because we've asked Trek. One is this is our opinion because maybe <laughs> Trek hasn't addressed it or one that, oh, that's a good question. And what we'll do is we'll give these answers to Paul and he'll be able to post them maybe on the website of the answers. Well, that we I, think, I think I've got your answer, Steve. I think it's yes, no, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on the as far as I remember it, the rules only, when they're talking about headers and footers, I think it only says footer and it says yeah. footer on the first page. I don't know that there is a statement in the rules about header. Yeah. Um, We'll get, a, we'll get an answer for you on that. I got another couple of questions while we're, while we're on questions. Sure. Does, does Trek define the competency required that is called in number four of the general provision? Does Trek I, define the competency required? That was discussed yesterday. Uh, so we had, a, we had a, an exam development meeting yesterday where we're, where we're working on the test, but we got off on a few tangents. And one of them was just that on the competency, because we're actually writing a question about it. Uh, and staff, attorney staff said that, you know, there's no way you could really define, you know, that moving target of what's considered competent what they said is, if you're using any specialized equipment or procedure that's above the standard that is perceived as part of the inspection that we do, and that there was a list of those, he said, just be trained and competent, be able to explain yourself if you were asked. Yeah. You know, it might, you know, if they said, well, if you'd said, I watched a YouTube video on how to run that thing, <laughs> You might be on the fringe and, and uh, you know, it's, it's basically if you, if you perform that procedure improperly because you weren't ever trained in it, there's your exposure. Not yeah. that something just went wrong and you had an accident, you know, so they, they really just said it's up to you and it's going to be on a case by case if there was a belief that you yeah. just didn't know what you were doing. And just, and just to uh, promote InterNACHI and TRIA's membership benefits, you can go on InterNACHI and take <clears throat> hundreds of different tests to show that you're competent in performing septic inspections or water wells. But I mean, so you can get certificates all day and I require most of my inspectors to get on there and do that. So we can demonstrate some kind of certificate that we took a class and that we uh, have an understanding of how a moisture meter works or something like that. So use that resource, re use that resource because that's part of your membership paying for. Yeah, and, and you might find a difference between academically competent and yeah. proficient physically. So a lot of things you can learn you know, academically online in classes. They're just some things you just can't get around getting out there and getting your hands on and doing them, you know, so don't, don't be lulled into thinking I can just watch somebody do something. And it sound like flying a helicopter, wouldn't it, Steve? Yeah. Hey, I saw it on YouTube. Surely I can do this. Yeah. You just, you, 
Taking off is easy. It's the landing part. <laughs> you got to have equal number, takeoff and landings. All right. Another question. So for the new gas section, what will be in it? Meters, manifolds, and valves, et cetera. Then he says, in other words, the water heater and furnace and oven gas burning will all still be have their own sections, correct? If so, what specifically goes in the gas section? Well, everything, like I said, initially we took everything, gas out of every section, and then we were like, whoops, what if there's a specific component related to that appliance? So I would say, uh, like if you're, for example, if you're testing an oven and you have a gas leak uh, somewhere at the top of the manifold or something at the top of the range, that has a gas leak there, it would be reported because it's specific to that appliance. Uh, the appliance itself needs to be repaired. You would report that in the oven range section. Um, if it's the gas line that's connected to the oven, so basically anything from the appliance back uh, is gonna be in the gas section is how we try to come up with wording and definitions to make, make it uh, effective where you can report it. Uh, one thing where enforcement did say is, because we had a lot of concerns about this, if you report um, a gas problem uh, that was close to the oven in the oven range section, um, and you don't put it in the gas section, uh, enforcement was on several calls where they said, we, you know, you're not going to be disciplined uh, or, you know, there might be some kind of like, you know, we encourage you to do some more training or something on this, but uh, they they were basically saying there wasn't going to be discipline if it if you if you're reporting the problem and it ends up in the wrong section, you know if you put a roof leak in the plumbing section that's probably going to be an issue. But if you're reporting gas problems and you can't decide where it goes, you can either put it in both sections uh, or whatever section you feel most appropriate. But we felt like anything from the appliance back uh, to the meter is something that goes in the gas distribution section. And, and that's why we laid out that definition uh, that's in there on the general provisions number seven, defining what the gas distribution section uh, system is. And so that's probably we put it on that report if we have a leak or something. Yeah. And okay, by the way, you need, you need to notify the, the, the seller too, because it's a hazard, so. It's a hazard, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so if I complete certified drone pilot training course in Internachi, am I eligible to fly a drone or do I still need the FAA cert certificate? And I will answer that, absolutely you will. Right. Yeah, enforcement has said that even specifically. Yeah, so if you're flying a drone out on your inspections and you're not licensed to fly that drone and something happens on that inspection or the neighbor decides to turn you in because you're flying a drone, then you, you just opened up a can of worms for yourself. Yeah. Uh, another question is, can you show a sample of the first few pages of your new report? Uh, I have it right here. Do you want me to share my screen? I don't know if uh, I have yeah. that. Yeah, you can. Okay. Let me see how I can change this. There it is. I got there it. Go. So this is the new report. Uh, basically just has a cleaner look and all this, the last, the old report just had paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. We tried to, uh, with staff's help, truck staff's help, uh, put this into a concise, more readable 
document. So we put headers in here, responsibilities of the inspector, responsibilities of the client. So because the, the client needs to understand that they have responsibilities in this transaction too. Uh, some of the limitations. And then we have this notice of hazardous conditions, which was in there last time. Again, just made it more, uh, try to make it more concise and readable. And then additional information. And this is a section that the last question was about that we're gonna check with enforcement on. If this can be removed from the top and moved to the bottom. Sean, can you go to that uh, gas section plumbing for me? There we go. Uh, can you zoom in a little bit? Uh, yeah. Everybody can see it? There you go. Okay, I had a question. So how would you describe type of gas or water distribution types when the distribution may change to multiple types in the house? Yeah, we, we, uh, we have been reporting all the different materials we observe. Uh, so just like anything on the in truck inspection, it's whatever you can observe without, you know, causing damage to the property or, uh, you know, dismantling stuff. So uh, we see black iron pipe coming in the wall and outside the meter. And then we get inside the house and we see CSST running around parts of the house. Then we would report uh, black iron, CSST, and we even go to the step of saying flex because we see the flex lines at the, uh, the appliances. Good, and another, another thought that you guys may want to consider and if you put in your identifying the types of water pipes or gas lines, even electrical lines, uh, you probably want to put where visible because yeah. you're limited what you can't see, you can't see, but what you did see, that's what you identify. Yeah, that's a good. That be a fair really statement? Good. Yeah, no, that's really good, yeah. Because it can't help to reiterate and put stuff on the report uh, to make sure the client fully understands uh, that we didn't tear stuff, we didn't tear walls open and try to figure out all the different types of gas and water lines. Exactly, because consumers' expectations sometimes exceed what we do on an inspection. Yeah, I mean, it, it I mean, I, they probably more than once it says this is a visual, we're not yeah. destructive testing. So when it asks you to cite the location, say the water meter, the shutoff, yeah. or the types of pipes, if it's not visible uh, without, you know, digging or doing something else, you just say it. You know, right. either it wasn't visible or I only saw PEX or I only saw PVC. Doesn't mean it's the yeah. only thing there. Right. Yeah, exactly. But you could uh, say, I think in ours, we just are, are saying these are the types that were visible. Yeah. Good. But we're having a lot more questions pop <laughs> up, guys. So let me try to run through some of these with you so we keep up with them. So with the clinger look on the form, especially the first page, was any information removed? Um, I'd have to look at our, our drafts and stuff. Um, there was information removed, but I think it was all non-substances. So in other words, in other words, some of this might've been a long, well-written, you know, paragraph, and then we took it and just made bullet points out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think anything of any, uh, significance was removed, but I'd have to double check on that. I think. Some of that is probably the 
what we call the the op1 or the things that are quote yeah. not grandfathered those list of right uh, that nine or eleven things on the next page right uh those are still the same yeah all this yeah that list right there yeah and it and those you know if you've got a pristine showroom 1942 house probably every one of those are going to be there because we're there to inform the consumer of things yeah. that are not there that are safety related that yeah. they would get if they were buying a new house you know obviously the person selling that house isn't going to say well we don't have like buying an old car they don't <laughs> remind you you don't have airbags shoulder harness all those things but you will at least know those type of things here and that's what that's for yeah i think i think it's a good layout guys i think y'all did a very good job on that yeah one. it's not saying that the house broke it's just right. we raised we raised the bar and you know like most of us say in our report whether you you know these are listed as a deficiency which may like it make it look like something broke but right i think a lot of us will enhance the statement by saying you know this wasn't required or may not have been required right. when the home was built but this is you know enhanced safety on current homes and you need to be advised that your home doesn't have some or you know all or some of these things exactly if we could only meet that uh expectation of that consumer <laughs> reading that report we're trying exactly. we're trying to help them yeah you know, Right. It, yeah. Someone else is asking, where where would you put your company logo? Uh, you huh? we, we changed right the rule where you can check you can put it up here. Yep. This this used to not be allowed to be removed, although we all removed it. Uh, but we changed that rule a few a few years back, didn't we, Stephen? Where you can remove this? Yeah. It was never intended right to be permanent. It was just a space holder, but it wasn't clarified until somebody asks, can we take right. that off? You know, a lot yeah. of people have their logo on a cover sheet, but if you don't yes. have a cover sheet, put your logo right there. Okay, good. All right, so under the SOPs, do inspectors have an obligation to advise a client to inquire about insurability of a house, such as hazardous electrical panels or deficient roofs? No. I mean, um, so if you if you make deficient comments about right. the roof covering, it you know yeah can you go the next step and say you might want to check with your insurance company to make sure it's insurable? I mean your report can be full of recommendations, right? Uh, which makes it real long. Uh, we don't make, I mean, just a personal business decision. We don't make a lot of recommendations unless it's just really obvious. Yeah, that's, that's what I was trying to find right here because I knew this bullet yeah. point was in there. Inspection yeah. is not, does not imply insurability or warrantability of the structure yeah. of its components. Yeah. So it I mean, might be, a, like, like Stephen said, it might be a hazard that we report, <laughs> but we're not uh, informing the consumer whether or not insurance is going to be able to have a problem with it or not, or you know, you're going to be able to get insurance on the house. Yeah, it has I mean, every wiring. You got a, a consumer has to decide on any of the deficiencies on whether or not they want want to pursue getting them fixed, having somebody fixing them. You know, you could say, and I see it all the time. You know, the 
roof covering is is worn and recommend consulting a licensed roofer well i think a lot of people have misnomers about who's licensed in texas we only got electricians and plumbers everybody else is free range so yeah. you know when you say licensed and they search out a licensed person and they don't exist yeah. that kind of confuses them of why you're telling them to do it Kind of puts eggs on your face too if you don't know the correct answer on that one. Yeah, one of the one of the things I always ran across was when a house has a wood shingle roof and they cover it up with composition. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I've always notified my client that hey, you may want to check with your homeowner's insurance to see if this would be covered. Because yeah, that's the answer is usually a no on that one. Yeah. Right. And you know, there there might be some things like that that are very valuable for the consumer that we learned, you know, yeah. we've got some scars and battle wounds where we didn't know that. And, and that's the benefit of hiring a, an experienced inspector is they've probably dealt with it over the years, things like that. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's probably a place where I would probably say something about, you know, don't ignore this one. Yeah. Yeah. Another question, guys, it says, what are acceptable terms to use for type of piping materials? How general, how specific are we expected to report? Well, it's just the material. And if you really want to get picky, you could you can go to the <laughs> free codes, IPC codes. Uh, I think it's chapter chapter. It's got materials, piping, yeah. approved piping materials. Now, it doesn't mean that what you see is on the approved list. Right. You know, piping materials in the plumbing code, you won't find PVC. We see it everywhere. But yeah. it lists them. They're common names. You know, CPVC, cast iron. I mean, all those type of things are there. I think but, if you use some weird trade name, you might be yeah. you know, confusing somebody. And this came up... Uh during with because enforcement was on with that for enforcement i represented on a lot of our meetings just so we could ask questions like this or we could get their opinion um and they're not expecting us to uh go so to go so far to identify every product involved in that uh you know is it you know if you don't if you can't figure out uh, the type of piping if it's a plastic pipe running through there. Um, plastic is acceptable, you know, because we have all kinds of different looking pecs these days. Um, and if you can't identify any markings on a yellowed piece of PVC that might be CPVC or PVC, an old, a old version of it that's yellowed over the years, you can't find markings and identifying it as plastic, um, enforcement said would be acceptable. So you can get as specific or un, you know, stay generic if you want to. Just metal pipe. Yeah. You don't want to say galvanized, uh, black iron or whatever. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, like there's a table, six in chapter six in the plumbing code, and it lists real trade names. You know, galvanized steel pipe, ductile iron, water pipe. You know, if you want to get technical. Uh, but for the most part, just, you know, the names that we use every day, you know, I, I saw pecs or I saw plastic. The idea is give the client kind of an idea of what all's in his house. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, can you guys read the, the chat box for yourself? I'm moving it a little closer. It's moving pretty fast. Yeah, I got um trying to go back up to where we left off. What was the last question? Uh, company logo, obligation to advise a client, what acceptable terms. Yeah, we were on that under the SOPs doing spider after um, about the roof and everything else on it. Yeah, there's there's yeah. several of them there, plastic pipes. Y'all kind of pretty well done yeah. like that. All the plumbing, this let's see. Uh, we know we can change the report on that, <clears throat> that one comment there. And then the next one, uh, can you provide an example of deficiency with gas appliances that would be required to be reported under the new gas section of the report? If there's already a section in the report specifies gas appliance furnace, I think you answered that already, but if you want to clarify it, Sean, go ahead. Yeah, it's just uh, the reason we got plugged back in there, like if there's something specific, like this, for example, with the fireplace. Uh, I'm pulling up the fireplace section right now. But if you have a gas fixture installed in the fireplace not associated with a gas distribution system, then you would report that deficient. So uh, if there's a gas specific to the fireplace problem, then you would report it in the fireplace section. If it's a, from the valve back, basically, then you would replace it. You would report it in the gas distribution section. So, Okay. Uh, uh, here's here's one. So then in the SOP, it states that it is not required to test the accuracy of a thermostat, but inspectors are required to check the delta T between supply and return temps. Since there is a range of delta T temperatures would be that would indicate if it's acceptable. Isn't that I see where we go? Isn't that checking the thermostat? No. No. I mean, no. I can put the thermostat on 60. Yeah. And all it's on most units, it's just basically gonna activate the air conditioning. And the idea is to know whether or not it is actually cooling. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're not really checking the accuracy of the thermostat, but that's actually excluded in the yeah. SOP. Yeah, the, specifically. Uh, the intent was initially we were gonna leave it generic but there's been inspectors disciplined over the years for not calling out temperature differentials outside 15 to 20. So TREC, even though it was never in the SOPs, TREC enforcement was using 15 to 20 deltas. So initially our SOPs that we proposed did not have a drop in there and the full committee and uh, visitors that were at that meeting uh, recommended that we uh, address that issue, that we needed to have some standard uh, to to basically tell the inspectors this is what track expects. Um, so we had a meeting over it. We had a lot of people on that call. Uh, although there is some people in in, in, te in Texas that will just use how the house feels or how it's cooling. Uh, the majority of people on that call were using some type of deltas to render a performance opinion. Um, and so we came out with. Uh, uh, Scott Regan, that's on the committee, has his license, HVAC, he's a licensed mm -hmm. HVAC uh, contractor. Uh, we got his opinion. We took a lot of opinions from everybody on the call, um, and we came up with a 15 to 22. And there is a second part of that that says, if you don't want to use that, then you need to use something 
that you can demonstrate to, to uh, enforcement or if there's ever a complaint that says, I did not use the Delta, I used this standard. I used this, this means of testing it. I mean, if we looked at um, uh, some ASHRAE standards where the home, if it's a certain temperature outside, it has to reach a certain temperature on the inside. We looked at that. Uh, and those could, if you feel comfortable using that, I know there's a comment about the two or three consultant, um, you know, if you want to use a different standard, then you can default to that and say, I did not use the Delta, I use this standard. Because we wanted to make it where if you absolutely hate the idea of using a Delta. Uh, but the, the Delta does not speak, speak to the thermostat at all. Uh, so there's no reason, you, you don't have to, you don't have to take your Deltas off the thermostat. You take them off a, a device that you're using. Yeah, it's basically and, just a method to show that we actually did do something to inspect right. the AC system. Yeah. Use a different method, just report this is a method I used. Correct. Okay, yeah. another question, guys. It says if you call out, for example, the lack of a sediment trap under the water heater, is it reported under the gas section or the water heater section? Gas distribution section. Or both. Or, or both. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. Back to your, so, it, I mean, you somewhere you have to draw a line between distribution and the appliance. Right. And, most people will do it at the cutoff. Yes. That's I mean, so you go from the meter, which we now have to report the location if we see it. Right. Uh, and then from there to personally, I use the cutoff and I yes. say that's distribution. Right. And everything after the cutoff to include the cutoff, I guess I put in the specific appliance. Right. You know, so if the water here, the water here thermostat's got a problem. You report it in the water heater section. Yeah. If the shutoff valve for the water heater has a problem, you could put it in both, but yeah. it probably should go in the gas distribution section because, like Stephen's saying, it's from the shut. Most people consider it from the shutoff back. Yeah, and then like enforcement said, if if your line is a moving target, and you right. include that in gas, as long as it's in the report somewhere. Good. Here's a question about the report. So to clarify, I thought I heard you say the form shouldn't be used till February the 1st, but the 7-6 REI form is voluntarily starting back in September 21 and becomes mandatory February the 1st. Did we mishear y'all? No, yeah, you, true. You can use the report, the new report starting last September. One of my inspectors pointed this out to me because I had it messed up in my mind. You can use the report starting last September. You have to start using it Tuesday the 1st. The SOPs, the standards of practice, do not go into law until February 1st. So you got the report that you can start using last September. You got the SOPs that you do not use until Tuesday the 1st. You're not, you don't February the 1st, you better be using the new 7-6 yeah. form. I mean, right. the, idea, the idea was most of the changes in the SOP were enhancements. Right. There wasn't really anything that went away. So if you started using the report form in August, theoretically, you could use the SOP because they're all above, at that point, above the standard. Correct. And the idea was if you did not do something that's on the new SOP before February 1st, you were not responsible to enforcement for it until February 1st. Right. So you, I mean, a lot of the stuff on there, uh, recording water pressure, 
or no water pressure over 80 was an mm. indeficiency and it's still not today till tuesday most of us did so we were doing the new sop we've been doing the new sop in some <laughs> areas for 20 years yes so now yeah we've been in front of it now we we slowed up and now the sop's beating on our heels it caught up with us in a lot of areas yeah changes we just love those don't we well <laughs> i mean a lot of it came around in the chain you know when we look at the sop we looked at each other and it's like what is it that everybody is already doing or 90 percent or 80 percent of the inspectors are already doing that's a good idea that we might as well go ahead and corral the other 10 or 15 percent and make it a standard yeah. uh, i don't know that there's anything in the new sop that nobody's ever done before right yeah that's nothing really unusual about it no most of the guys that have been questions. doing it yeah <clears throat> So would you check a log lighter valve in a fireplace if a key is present? Uh, I think you're saying, would you light the fireplace if I understand it right? Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah. You gotta somehow demonstrate if it's performing, uh, but if we kind of leave, that's where it comes into the specialty tools, would you have to discern, let me go down the fireplace section, how, if that device is working, well, we're not required to light pilots or right. anything like that. Right. <clears throat> Some insurance companies frown on us lighting a fire right. in, in the inspection. So on a gas fireplace log like that, I'll usually turn the valve, see if I've got gas. I won't Correct. light it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the fireplace, uh, you, here's what you're required to report as deficient in the fireplace chimneys. Build up a creosote in accessible areas of the firebox and flues. Present in combustible materials in near proximity of the firebox opening. The absence of fire blocking at the attic penetration and chimney for accessible deficiency in the damper and a hearth gas fixture installed in the fireplace not associated, not associated with gas distribution. Uh, so if you have a gas fixture in there, then you need to somehow determine um, if it's uh, operating or installed or functioning and if not reported. So it's kind of up to you how you want to do it. Like Paul said, most of us just turn the gas on and turn if there's gas present in it. Uh, some people probably still light them, but it's not required. There oh, are yeah. some stories about them use lighting them. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's it's there are some general limitations like not not yet needing an open flame to start something up. Right. But in the limitations, it also says unless specifically required. Uh, so there's some things you do that are specific to that item element. That's uh, but yeah, do you have to like things? Yeah, it's it's never been required. You've never had to have matches as part of your minimum equipment. It's kind of like carrying a hammer, right? No. <laughs> some of them have electronic ignition. Okay, that's a little different. It's just you don't have to apply an open flame. Well, if right. I'm doing a clicker on a stove, I mean, a, a clicker on a, a stove or a fireplace, I'm not applying an, an open flame. It has an right. electronic ignition, may, mainly, maybe manual or automatic. Yeah, That's so, different. Yeah, I like the remote controls myself. Yeah. As long as okay. you carry batteries Someone's for Someone's asking in... 503-5.231 SOP going, is it going to revise the required documenting of the location of a gas meter and type of gas distribution piping material? 
Is it revised to require? We do have to say the location of the gas meter. That is a new thing. Where's the gas section there, Sean? Right there. Yeah, location. Location of the. Yeah, it's it's similar to the water section. Location of water meter. Location of gas meter. Type of water piping. Type of gas piping. Yeah, and this this came from the inspectors community adding this because we felt like the uh, the people that were on the call felt like it would be important. It's important for the consumer to know where these shutoffs are, even if they're not going to operate them. You know, most consumers are not going to operate a gas meter, but it's good knowledge to know where your gas meter is uh, in case you have some type of emergency or something, or someone needs to know where it is. Um, we also talked. There was questions that came in a trek. Uh, over over the fall that were uh, okay well what if you have a private uh, propane tank and there's no gas meter well some of those have metering devices on there so you can report the location of the metering device but like Stephen has said all along if, if there's no meter or you cannot locate a meter you just report that unable to locate uh, not present however you want to report yeah. uh, those, those situations if you're inspecting a house with a water well don't have a water meter right you just say it's not present yeah. or not visible. Right. Let's see, any other questions? I can't see the chat. Yeah, it says if you call out, for example, let's see, we got that one. Let me I scoot it up on me. Let me go down a bit, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Where'd it go? I see. Um, and then the temperature differential have to shoot across the coils. It's up to you to determine how you want to do the temperature differential. If you want to take it at the coils, you know, uh, by putting thermometers in the ducts or however you choose to do it, it's up to you. But again, that kind of falls back to the general provisions where it's up for you. Some people are going to shoot guns, use infrared guns. Some are going to try to take it at the coil. Uh, there's various different ways to do that. Yeah. The, the, if your intent, like we are, is to find the temperature drop across the coils, Right. Best thing is to do the closest supply you can get to. That right. way you're minimizing potentially the negative effect of a damaged distribution system. Right. Uh, you know, it, we're not authorized to poke holes and plenums. Uh, I know I've seen where somebody else has a, a hole already in the plenum, maybe in an energy star. I can stick a temperature gauge in it. I didn't make the hole. But right. you know, realistically, sure. you've gotta, you, you're supposed to be in, in the next section on, on, on ducts, the best way to tell if the distribution system, the duct system is working is shoot every one of them. So you do a return yeah. and then you shoot the temperatures on every single supply. Uh, and if everything's working right, they're gonna all be within a couple of degrees and you're gonna use that probably the best one, which is the closest one most likely. But if you get one kind of like Sesame Street, that's not like the others, you know, you got a problem with that duct and that put that on your to-do list when you go in the attic, see what's up. Yeah, that's, Stephen brings up a good point because uh, you can find sometimes on these new homes where a return air will be connected to a supply uh, or and you can pick up, you know, you'll have a supply air that's showing 80 degrees because they, they actually piped it into the return side. So it's, it's a good idea to shoot all the ducks, but yeah. again, shoot, shoot all the registers. Cause I've, 
I've shot some and they're attic temperature and you look in the flashlight, they never connect. I'm looking at the yeah. roof deck through the register. Yeah. All right. And then uh, I would like clarification on specifics of HCI and TR, tamper resistant uh, outlets in operation. So. Yep. I mean, it's, it tells you the, are you talking like the absence of tamper resistant and five and a half feet and less in the standard? Yeah, let me see what, can you clarify what, what, what you're wanting clarification on? Does, you want to talk about the SOP and? Where are they at? Here, I'll go down to the uh, arc fault. Um, so we added the arc fault in there again, during this, uh, revision update, we decided, you know, we're going to bring everything up and that's kind of our goal is to, as a committee is to look at these every few years so that, uh, like arc fault have been around for many, many years and they're just now making their debut in our standards of practice. Um, so we, uh, you know, we, we want to look at these more often, like two forties, this used to read two forties. And we updated because to reflect how the code is reading now, where it's 250 volt appliances. Um, but let me get down to the uh, get to the arc fault section. So we basically initially we we were trying to come out with a word or a phrase that would move with the standards as standards change. Um, and if we did that, it was going to require us to um, basically adopt a code. Say, well, this is the code that we use as Trek. So we, you know, initially we took it to the committee saying it was generic. It was very, the AFCI, GFCI was very generic and we were trying to let it flow with the standards. Um, but we felt like that the full committee and, and visitors felt like that we should specifically talk about the location. So um, we, uh, we just basically copied word for word. So here like the smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors, we copied word for word out of the current IRC. And, um, and the same with the ground, ground fault protection, all that was uh, was taken word for word. So here's the arc fault, the absence of arc fault following locations. And we took these all out of the current code. And the arc faults were there once before. For a little right. while, we took them right back out. Yeah, correct. A little ahead of its time. Yeah. Again, like, uh, you know, testing you know, making sure they're working. It's up to the, uh, you know, manually test and install an accessible smoke detectors, but we're not telling you what device you have to use to test them. So let's see. All right, we got the, does that answer the AFCI question? I think you probably did. <clears throat> so I got more they can come back with on the chat yeah. with us again. Uh, someone's asking, does static water pressure have to be a specific number or in a range? Well, like, like Stephen said, uh, you know, we used to have 60 to 80, and then a lower number, then both numbers got pulled out, right, Stephen? I don't know that it was ever there. If it did, it predated me. I well, know. Six, uh, 60 to 80 was in there when it first came in there because we deal with low water pressure in Houston all the time, and so... Yeah. I think it 40 to 40 to 80. Yes, 40, it was 40. 40, yeah. you're right. 40 to 80. What is that right, yeah. Paul? Yeah, 40 to 80 is what, what is what's been normal on it. 
Yeah, they took it took it out. Now it's uh, now it's just anything over eighty. So I mean, obviously, if you have low water pressure in the home, you're going to report that, and that's in other areas. But here's where we're talking about specifically, and there's they're saying um, so the range just it can't be over eighty when you take a th thing or you have to report it deficient with your highly calibrated rain <laughs> rain soft gauge. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you're so the, gauge <laughs> the idea and and i've tested i put four brand new brand gauges on a four-way splitter and they vary 10 degrees so yeah. but the the idea is the low side should be caught with the flow test of two right. two a two a fixture simultaneously yeah, so right. you may you know because of low pressure when now that we have these ultra low flow uh fixture ends, you know, like on faucets and stuff, you might, they might still perform at 40 or below 40. Yeah. Back when, you know, back when we had, uh, you know, the 25 gallon a minute shower heads, you might have problem. Well, the simple thing is run the shower and flush the commode. The water drops, yeah. somebody's gonna be upset at you. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah, if you've, if you've got the shower running and you flush the commode and it, kicks out of the shower mode because there's not enough pressure for the diverter you got a problem yeah and you're going to hear about it yep <clears throat> okay changes were made to the electrical section branch circuits connected devices fixtures concerning bonding and grounding specifically for appliances and metal pipes so provision was added uh, let me go down here added uh to the new gas section requiring the inspector verify bonding of the gas distribution system, but there's no mention about verifying it. I keep losing my mouse here. <clears throat> Let me find it again. Uh, the gas distribution system, but there's no mention about verifying bonding for metal gas or metal water distribution pipes. Can you elaborate? Why, why was this changed? Well, the, the bonding for the uh, gas lines primarily has been generated out of uh, the CSST. Was so when uh, the CSST recommendations came out, whatever years ago, about the bonding, that was when I think it started creeping back, creeping into our standards. Um, we talked to enforcement again during our meetings. So it talks about. Uh, I'll finish that statement, then we'll look at it. We talked about enforcement with that. That. Uh, are they expecting, would they expect an, an inspector to uh, do, um, you know, advanced testing to ensure the bonding has been uh, truly bonded, you know, putting different meters on and stuff like that. And that's not what's required. So we're basically looking for visible uh, bonding clamps, uh, indicating that we're not doing any testing, continuity testing or anything like that to determine uh, if it is installed, performing properly. Uh, and then also in the electrical system, it does talk about bonding and grounding. So I guess you could you could take these and put them with a, uh, the metal water lines. If you if you see the lack of bonding at the water lines, then you would be within the standard to call that out. Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> it says that we're required to report to gas distribution if it's not properly bonded. Correct. Let's see. Uh, can pictures line up, bleed over into the left button column? Left button, I guess we're talking about the report. Uh, let me... Can pictures line up or bleed so over into the left button column? So you're talking about like maybe pictures underneath this? 
I don't I don't have a clear understanding yeah. of that. So I, I think the pitchers can I don't think there's any restriction on how far the t text or pitchers come over this way in the report as long as they're contained within the report. Yeah. As long as they're in between the comment and the next section heading. They can be three wide. Some people put them right. three wide, four wide. Okay, the report now has the other section, electrical and HVAC. What items are intended to go in here? You can put, uh, we, so we did this for, uh, to, be, to be unified because some sections on the old report had other and other, and like, so the structural and the other, uh, the, whatever the, the last report, 7-5 had other in it, but then other sections did not. So we just came through here to put them in there to make it consistent. Uh, you could put the doorbell. We had a conversation about that the other day, I believe, Paul, and there was an email chain going around about, could you put the doorbell in here? Yes, that's acceptable. Um, so you can list other systems in here uh, that would be related to the HVAC. So maybe if you wanted to put something about humidifiers, if you wanted to test those, you could put them in here. Um, so we just made more housekeeping to be consistent. The plumbing section always had other uh, which is where a lot of people were putting gas problems. Um, so that was added. And we added an appliance section because there's a lot more uh, built-in appliances that people might be testing and also has it in here. And talking with Trek staff yesterday, the, the other location was primarily intended for things above the standard that you right. wanted to put in the appropriate section. Right. You know, if you had some extra like PV system you're inspecting, that's an other. Yes. You could put the whole house vacuum system in here or you could put it in the optional. Yeah. So. Yeah, there was, I mean, there was discussion. Do I put it in the, you know, if it's an electrical above the code that I'm doing, do I put it in electrical or optional? The press that, the preference was the appropriate category, but optional is always there also. This this got in here, this other built-in appliances was put in here because there was somewhat a desire coming from people in the community that wanted to add uh, built-in refrigerators. Uh, so if anything was built in, we would put it in here. Uh, they wanted to have SOPs for all those various and the list can just go on and on and on. Built, we could have a built-in refrigerator section here. We could have outdoor you know, ice, kitchen, ice machines, outdoor cooking equipment. I mean, we could just go on and on and on. So we just came up with this other uh, built-in appliances, and we did we elected not to create SOPs for all those different uh, systems. So if you're going to check an outdoor grill, you probably want to be able to you know demonstrate some kind of competency again and report how you checked it. You know, I did an operational test on the grill and achieved 350 degrees when I turned the burners on or whatever, have an infrared picture or something like that, just demonstrating the thing was operational. Yeah, or cooked the steak just, just fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good idea. Start cooking, cooking on these inspections. All right, another question for you guys is, can a realtor's information be added to the first page of the report? I don't think you can. I don't believe that any of this, I mean, you could put it down here, uh, additional information provided, but I don't believe we can put it here. You could put it on your cover sheet if you wanted to, 
you can't modify this box. I mean, you could add multiple inspectors in here, uh, but I don't think there's any allotment to add it. Some software, if you put more inspectors, it just wraps another line. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, think, I know some softwares do a HTML format, and it has pictures or information yeah. rolled from front of it. But that's that's not the truck report. Right. So you could do that if you wanted to do something similar. That you could put it on the cover sheet. You know. Uh, here's one that says, "Are oh, required to use a DCA six prescriptive residential wood deck construction guide to inspect wood decks." Uh <laughs> no, I mean, you need to, you know, we don't provide, you know, you go by the, the standards of practice, I can pull up the deck section, um, but no, you wouldn't have to be using that, uh, that would be above the standards. Yeah. So. Beyond the scope. Yeah. Okay, it says cooling equipment, can you elaborate on the new requirements for reporting extraneous factors or conditions present on the day of the inspection that would adversely have impact the delta t or otherwise performing unit provide us an example well this was uh, something that scott talked a lot about during our meetings um, since he has a lot more expertise in acs and pull up the cooling section right here um, so we get down here so what he was talking a lot about like if you have a degree a day where it's a, you know 105 degrees and 99 percent humidity um, you might not always be able to your drops might change uh, your your ability to achieve uh, what you perceive as adequate cooling in the house might change. And so that's what we were talking about is as the temperatures and the climate outside changes, it can affect the performance of the system. Um, and he used a lot of examples like that. I mean, the bottom, you know, bottom line is the most common thing we use is if it's below 60 degrees, we're not testing them unless we get permission. Um, but when we get in the lower 60s and stuff, um, it can uh, perform, affect the, the drop where it's not as reflective. And so if you felt like that you ran a situation, you got a, a 14 degree drop uh, on a day that you felt like the weather was affecting your drop, you can report that in the, uh, the report. Do we want to just give people the flexibility if they have a lot of experience or education at AC stuff that they can use that to justify why they didn't call out a 14 degree drop? Okay. All right. Under the plumbing, it says, under, so under the 40 PSI water pressure isn't reported now, or is it still reported? It's not called out specifically in the standards, but if you had, you know, a performance with uh, functional flow inside the house, um, I'm trying to find exactly where it is, but basically we report deficient. Uh, we have problems with uh, functional flow, performance of fixtures and faucets. I'm trying to figure out where, here it is. Yeah. Water supply as determined by viewing functional flow in two fixtures operated simultaneously. So like Paul was saying earlier, if you're running the sinks and you flush the toilet and the pressure drops down to nothing, uh, you know, you're gonna report that deficient. But if you have 40 outside or 38 uh, outside and you get inside and everything works great, you're not required by the standard to report that deficient. I mean, if you wanted to go above, if you have experience and say 38 is not okay, and you wanted to go above the standards, you can report it, but it's not required specifically in the standards. Good. All right, AFCI question. We will report if they are missing from any of those locations because lack of safety features aren't grandfathered. 
but should we add a comment about a home that may have been built before the AFCIs were required? I, I, I you, know, you don't have, you're not required to, but I think uh, it's not a bad idea to do that. To maybe, like Stephen was saying earlier, maybe notate that this home was constructed. You know, if you're doing a, like we go down to Galveston, we do houses in Galveston that are 150 years old. You know, none of that stuff even existed. So reports are littered with it. But we usually have a conversation and make some verbiage in our reports that these, a lot of these standards were not around when this home was built. And we're just informing you that there are some options out there for. Good. Sean, I, I want to tell you, we've got 163 people online with us doing the webinar. I think that's outstanding. And yeah, we're, we're not getting to your presentation on it, but we're getting a lot of questions answered. So I hope you don't mind the, the questions no, being posed to you. No, it's fine because we're bouncing all around the standards, so we're covering everything anyway. So it's perfect. Good. All yeah. right. This one has a question. It says pre-listing inspections. Clients want a brief walkthrough without a report. Simply placing blue tape on items. Is this allowed? No. That that's been a hot topic at Trek, and there probably will something be something coming out in the advisors and stuff like that. But it was brought up at one Trek meeting of these walkthrough inspections, and these have come up for years and years. People wanting to do maybe $150 or something like that, where they just walk through and tell the seller, I would probably fix that, probably fix that. If, if the house is going to be involved in a real estate transaction, you have to call the SOPs and generate a report. Yeah. yeah even on a pre listing, if they yeah. say, I'm thinking about listing it, well, then it, it gets yeah. a correct report. Yeah. yeah. They, call, they call you and say, I just want to know what's wrong with my house. Well, you can do whatever you want. The house is not listed and they just want you to walk through with them and it's not listed and they're not mentioning anything about a real estate transaction. There's no realtor there, realtor sign. You know, we just want to know what's wrong with our house. Just part of maintenance. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. All right. If the other section is not used, can it be deleted from the form or is that considered alteration of the form? If the other section, in other words, I guess the bottom of each section yeah. is others. Well, I know, uh, I, Stephen, do you have an opinion about that? I, I need to get clarification from enforcement on that because we used to be able to remove the other section if it wasn't anything in there. But I think the core of the report uh, has to stay intact and then when you get to the optional, you don't need to print the optional. If you didn't do any of this, you don't have to reflect this on the report, the optional section. But I believe this has to stay intact, but I will get a firm answer back to you all. Yeah, it's just another, another checkbox anyway. Yeah. All right, can we clarify where AFCI is required in home? Well, I think you pretty well listed that out, didn't we? It's a bullet list. Yeah. Got 13, 13 locations. Yeah. Oh, we're requiring dryer outlets to be GFCI covered. Yes. So we took just we just took the code and went specifically through their bathroom receptacles. It goes on and on and on. There's 16. 11 locations for those and laundry room. Yeah, laundry room. So if you're in the building code side, those are GFCI now anyway. Okay, so if, this is another good one, guys. So if electrical outlet in a bedroom is within six feet of the bathroom sink through door, 
Is it required to be GFCI protected? You take, carry a six foot string with you and you go to the, from the edge of the sink and touch an outlet. There's no exception that says you don't have to be protected. Yeah. And it's through it. Yeah. For a while there, it had doors and now it's through doors. So yeah, it's possible to have a bathroom lavatory and a hallway outlet within six feet. So get you a six foot string. That's it. It doesn't take a lot of space in your bag. Take right. your boot shoelaces off and measure it. There's six, <laughs> a six foot shoelace is very durable. And it's a great picture. Just don't be sticking it in the outlet. <laughs> oh, you take all the fun out of it, Steve. All right. It says, is there a word template version? Someone else asked this earlier. Uh, not that I know of. I know there were some conversations at Trek about that. Um, but I do not think that they've generated a word version as of now. Yeah, no, I've asked, I've asked Trek for that myself, and they they only have a PDF version. But if you have a PDF uh, software, you can convert it to a Word doc and use it. Some have told me they've had problems with it. Steve and I talked about this the other day, and uh, I think Steve has a copy, a clean copy of Word document he sent me. So if you, anybody needs that, if you'll just email me, paul at internachi.org, I will send you a copy of that Word document. Okay, let's let me go down here. And we got all kinds of questions. That's good, guys. Yeah. Uh, thank you for, for being involved. Those of you that are in attendance, we appreciate you being here. Can we remove the name of the sponsor last top of the report? Um, I don't think you can remove that. I think this all has to stay the same, stay core. So you just NA on that. But I'll I'll verify that too. I I, I think you can. I mean, I don't want to disagree with you, but I, I okay. I think I think that if you don't, if you're not sponsoring somebody, if you're the only inspector, I think you can. Okay. But I will tell you, if you have more than one inspector on site with you, all those inspectors' names need to be listed on your report with their license number. Yeah. Yeah, that was a problem we talked about. Yeah, I leave this on mine because I sponsor a bunch of guys. So I yeah. I've never I've never had to question it myself. So you're yeah, probably by it, Paul. Yeah, if, probably, you, if you sponsor some, you don't want to take it off and back on. It's easier to leave it right, on to right. add it back in later. Uh, will there be a recording of the seminar? Yes, we are recording it. You can go to the uh, InterNACHI website and the recording will be listed. You can download or rewatch it uh, on online or, or download it for your computer. Okay, let me go down here. Let's, whoops. I have a quick flick software, but it's not that good. Okay. <laughs> Probably ought to change this. Okay, the verbiage on the electrical section was borrowed from the IRC code. That, of course, referenced the NEC code. The NEC code is updated every two years. Which year of the NEC did the verbiage get borrowed from? Well, we took the uh, the new 2022 IRC is what we went through to use our uh, to come up with our language. So we pulled that up and we just copied and pasted. So we did not open up the NEC. Uh, I know I understand what you're saying, but we uh, used the IRC residential one of four family. 
Okay. Uh, someone says, sorry, I was having ish volume issues. Did you say dryer plug was or was not GFCI required since it's in the laundry room? Yes. Yes, it is required. <laughs> uh, it has been for a few years in the building code. Okay, somebody want my email address, send it to paul, P-A-U-L, at internachi.org. Let's see, I think that's the end of our question, Scott. You guys come up with more, more talk about that, it looks like. There we go. Right. Did y'all, I know I stepped out for a minute. Did y'all talk about modifying the report form for like breaking up items like in the electrical and making <clears throat> GFCI uh, uh, we, talked, we talked about, you know, if you wanted to. It's come talked, up a few times. Yeah, uh, we talked about doorbells and stuff down here, but are you talking about yeah. like adding a GFCI here? Yeah. So, so I know somebody had asked one of the Trek attorneys, and the question in my mind may not have been worded real good on what they wanted. So I went with a much more detailed and talked with them uh what's today friday wednesday so on this report form that you see on the screen the intent was the other is for items above the code above the standard sorry above the sop that you want to add and you put they're electrically related but you want to do them put them in a report that's what the other's for if you want to break out say the branch circuits to have a section for GFCIs, AFCIs, or something like that, you, you're not really following the rules by creating a C and putting GFCIs and a D in our fault because they're all under B in the rules. So all those things in, that are listed that you inspect in uh, section B, branch circuits and devices, still need to be under B because that's where they are in the SOP. What the, what the correct way would be to make a subcategory under B, like B1 could be your GFCIs, B2 be a arc faults and however you want to do it, but they would still come under B rather than having an electrical system section that has like A through F. Uh, because all those things like the GFCI and stuff, they're referenced in the rules under 535, was it 222, you know, and you'd work your way down to B and all those things are supposed to still be under the, the, the section for B and you just make B1, B2, B3 for those type of things. Some software is a little easier to do that. Some, I've seen some of them on the Facebook website where they've done it very well to the point where I'm trying to duplicate it in my report. Does it look good? Yeah. So I had someone email me a couple of questions. Let me see if I can go through it. So they're probably answered, but obviously any information you share about what is really expected for gas piping may be help with some verbiage. Uh, how detailed <clears throat> we expected to cover, are we supposed to know what type of shutoff valves are acceptable? Or does this now open us up more liability or seeing finding proper bonding? It sounds like disclaimers may be more important. So I've heard talk about new and different kinds of CSST with some not needing to be bonded. 
and wording on tamper-resistant receptacles seems difficult. Almost sound like we would have the entire house as deficient, such as receptacles under kitchen cabinets or mounted receptacles under the eaves or in the garage ceiling. That's a, that's a loaded bunch of questions for you guys. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're routinely inspecting in a neighborhood that's built in the 50s, you're going to have a lot of those things because the consumer kind of does need to know there's no GFCIs in this house. There's no right. smoke detectors, smoke alarms in this house. You know, and the idea that you give them a clean report might be a little, you know, false sense of security. So you're addressing those safety items and tamper resistant. Yeah, anything yeah. below the idea is five and a half feet they used. I figure if, if you can reach over five and a half feet, you're probably old enough to know not to stick the bobby pin in the outlet. Um, I, so wouldn't I wouldn't guarantee that one. Steve. No, I agree with Paul. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, so the so a lot of those things we have dealt with. I don't know how many times I've explained why an electrical panel in a closet's a deficiency because. I know they're not going to move it, uh, but I just want them to know it's a hazard. It's listed as a hazardous location. And it, if they want to know, here's why. So, And a consumer might not move it, but they might not store a bunch of stuff right, I guess. You know, yeah, once, they, you give, once you give them that knowledge. Well, the idea is you give them a report, it lists deficiencies of things broke. It also lists deficiencies of things that are a hazard that, right. you know, do they want to accept all those hazards? Right. If they do if they if they're acceptable then fine you know we've we've done our job we've uh, provided them the information to make a, a decision on buying the house and part of the part of the uh, you need to understand that part of the desire of Trek is to or goals of Trek is to represent and protect the consumer and so these 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 items are considered because. People will say, well, you're not doing, it says up here, you're not doing a code inspection. So why are you calling all these codes? All the codes that we typically talk about are safety items that Trek wants, has taken a stance that they want the consumer to understand. Maybe they don't know anything about it, but they need to understand you don't have a smoke detector here and to, it's not as safe as other homes are. So you should try to install one or take action to correct that. Just like I mean, we haven't talked much about windows. Fall um, protection. But we, we, yeah, we talked about fall. Here we go, fall protection. So we added this this year, the absence of fall protection. It is a code, but the reason we included it is because in our standards of practice, because of the safety issue. Most so. of the things that are added to code are added for a very sad reason. Right. And that was one of them. And, you know, it, it's it stands to reason that we would advise them that you don't have that safety feature. And you'll see a lot of those things in there. Uh, and to say, yeah, we're, this is not a code inspection, but it's obvious to anybody, you study the code to take the test and all, uh, you know, water heaters 18 inches off the ground. We just didn't pull that out of our back pocket. Uh, right. You know, it's obvious. We use the code as a basis on whether or not things uh, that, you know, that we all determined, I say we all, a lot of these have been here a long time, and they're probably a, a mix of things that people on staff thought we should have, although they don't have that expertise. It's the old 
committee members. You know, yeah. a lot of these things came about and have been modified over the last 30 years. And, you know, like Steve's talking about the water heater, this, uh, the tip to roof uh, failed to operate. So this is, comes up every time we look at the standards of practice. I'm not a fan of these, testing these, but the bottom line is, is me as the chair, this right here. Me I as mean, the we're chair, there to know if it's not working. Right, and me and the, as, as, and as a committee member, um, it's difficult to tell the commissioners or Trek or anybody else, yeah, we need to take this out, you know, because granted, a lot of them leak after you test them and there's difficulties in testing them. But uh, if one of these tanks fails because these valves aren't working, it's, it results in a lot of bad things <laughs> happening. And so that's why this continues to stay in there um, is we can't bring ourselves, you know, every time we talk about this, we talk about removing it and it ends up back in there. Kind of hard to argue. You don't want to test something because it's going to fail. And, you know, that's the whole purpose of the home inspection is to find things that are not performing. Right. So the client knows. And <laughs> to say, I don't want to test something because I know it's going to break or it was broke. I identified that it was broke. There's a big difference. And we've all broken things. We've also discovered things that were broke. And if you don't test them, you don't there know. Is a, there is a, if, there is, if you do not test them, there is a way to depart from that, as uh, Trek has said. You, yep. you can inform the client in writing or you know, however you want to do it, as soon as practical, that I do not test TMP valves. And they, that gives them the right, you know, in the transaction, it's okay, I'm going to hire somebody that does, or that's fine with me. I'll still use you as an inspector. Yeah. I, so. And there's a, there's a difference between a departure and something you're not doing because it's safety related. Right. You know, I, I know I don't walk on 12, 12 pitch roofs, but it's not because I don't like roofs. It's because I don't like hitting the ground. Uh, it's not safe. So you may have things that you never do that nine out of 10 inspectors do. Now we've got a departure that you probably need to tell the client. Right. If you line up 10 inspectors and none of them do it, I mean, it, so the difference is, is are you departing because you don't want to do it? Or are you departing because it's not safe to do? Correct. You know, if, if it's, it's different, if you show up to a house and when you drove there, there wasn't anything you were expecting to not be able to do. And you showed up and there's something you can't do. That's a departure that you tell them as soon as practicable. If when you're driving to that house, you know there's something in that house that you never do that's the one that you have to advise them and make sure they know or you don't start the inspection. That's the new change is if you have a departure that you, you routinely don't do and it's not because it's unsafe, it's just you don't like to do them, then that, that triggers the advice before you begin the inspection. So they have an opportunity to say, you know, nine out of 10 inspectors do that. I'm going to reach out to one of those other nine. And that's all that was for. Yeah, I, 
I saw a question where uh, reflecting on the walkthrough inspections, what part okay. of the standards, this is, this is some of it right here, where it's talking about <laughs> when, when the standards of practice go into play and <clears throat> requirements for a real estate inspector conducted on a one to four family dwelling. But so, downside of having a license yeah. is if it's part of a buyer or sell and you're licensed, <clears throat> you're going to be hard pressed to go do a walkthrough inspection. And because you're an inspector, you're at the house, you're inspecting. Now, it doesn't say you can't do a report and just have lots of NAs. Right. That's you a good know, point. That's that, a good point. I mean, yeah. but, but to take out to walk through and write up your notes on a paper towel and give it to them and that's it, you're probably opening yourself up for trouble. Yeah, well, that, that was a good old days, guys. Yeah. yeah. You had to have good... like, Steve, like Steven said, if you just want to go check the foundation, just NA, NA, NA on everything else and you put why you didn't check it yeah. and you just report the foundation only. That's all they hired me for. And then we came up with the single item primarily for the Chinese drywall guys years ago. Yeah. Where we, we kind of carved a niche out to where you could do any one of the major items and not required to use the report. And you could have your own letterhead report. And you have that little footer that says, this is not a full home inspection in right. case nobody's ever seen one and they don't realize why you're not making comments about the foundation when you're out there looking at Chinese drywall yeah. or roof. Right, good, good discussions guys, thank you. Yep. Uh, several questions popped up here. Sean, Steve says, is the SOP that's effective February the 1st, is there a copy that we can download? Yeah, where on, do they uh, get that? It's on, on the Trek, website. Trek's website. It has, on, it, on the Trek it, website. Yeah, it has that, a watermark on it, but that's going to come off. That comes off Monday night. Or if not. Or maybe Sunday, Tuesday. But, well, I, well. Mr. Tony, I think, said, yeah, Monday night, <laughs> it'll update. Uh, yeah, I got a question, text to me, it says, uh, ask Steve and Sean to clarify what Sean said about AFCIs being grandfathered. Do we report the lack of these as deficient per track? Yes. yes. There, yeah, grandfather, yeah, there's always been a, you know, the concern of grandfathering life safety items. A grandfather, two by four rafters, if they're performing, you know, a lot of things are performance. Life safety, you know, these are not performance per se. So you've got a list of absence for arc faults. You have a list for absence of GFCIs. And the lack of them in that area is a deficiency. Not that anything broke. Like I say, it just raised the life safety bar and the Intent is to give the client, you know, the information that they need, you know, especially if they're comparing a, you know, a 2015 house and a 2020 house. Yeah. Uh, and they're wondering why one cost, you know, a little more than the other one. Well, the new one probably has more life safety items. And I think that was one of the motivations for the report change. I don't know, 10, it's 15 clear. years ago, when we changed this from repair, the check mark being repaired to defend needs a needs a repair was the old one because because need a repair told everybody okay you don't have whatever you whatever we're calling out smoke detectors so you have to repair that 
So we changed it as deficient because we're we're trying to soften the word to make people understand you, no one's forcing you to fix this, but you need to understand this is not present in this home. And it's in the preamble. You don't have to fix anything. Right. The idea is you know what you're buying. Because yeah, we got an um, a email, track kind of email comments from an electrician, I think in San Antonio. Oh, yeah. Who's upset about the arc fault, but, um, you know, we all understand that there's some panels that can't, you know, older panels that can't accept it and stuff like that. There's hurdles to installing it and no one's telling them they have to put it in there. This is just information yep. for the consumer. And it's probably in your best interest to have a conversation with them about this. So they know, Hey, yes. there's a the house. There's going to be some code stuff. There's going to be some safety stuff that comes up. And if they have questions about it to get with you, um, so it's not a discriminatory just, fix. Yeah. May, modify your comment to, to yeah. say just that these are items that, we know weren't in your house when you built it because it's old enough. The guy that invented art faults wasn't born yet. Right? <laughs> so these are items that are in houses, in homes now. And we want to make you aware that they are not present in your home. And we do that by listing them uh, where, you know, where they're not, where they're absent. However you want to say where they're absent or where they're not present. Uh, absence, you, yeah. yeah, the I mean, it says absence. Yeah. I tell them where they're not present. Yeah, it's right. kind of, but that's the whole intent. And you're going to have, yeah, if, if you routinely do neighborhoods that are 10, 15, 20 years old, you know, like we did with the Arc Fault two years ago, it may be a standard comment that's pre populated when you open every, every report. You just got to yeah. remember to take it out if they are there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. That happens. Well, like we all kind of do that. Yep. All right. Here's, here's another question. It says, doesn't section 535.223 bracket three bracket K say that some sections of the report, the other part words may indeed be deleted or has this changed? The word other is the only thing you can. So in the main body of the report, if you don't have any others, I believe you can still get rid of the word other. Yeah, we were talking okay. about that earlier, and I didn't have a great. Yeah, so I, I mean, you just because you don't have a stove or an oven, you know, I guess something like that, or microwave, doesn't mean you can delete the microwave because it reorders right. the appliances, which are specifically identified in the rules by that, you know, A, B, C, or D. Yeah, I was going to get clarification on that, yeah. uh, Stephen, but I, I believe, yeah. Yeah, the others, yeah, the word other and the whole optional you can delete. Right, optional for sure. Yeah, I think you're, I like Steve. But every, everything else that has a number, it's dedicated, has a place in the rules, it's supposed to be there. And those don't get reordered. You know, I know that the electrical B section is branch circuits. I can't go in and make, you know, A, B, and C is main panel, entrance panel, sub panel and branch circuits gets to D, it messes up the reference in the in the rules. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So you, do, so you do A1 for service entrance panels, A2 for sub panels, you know, you could break it up like that for readability and being able to kind of help identify those things. That's, you know, that, that, that's just, I don't wanna say it comes with experience, but it, uh, it comes with, 
explain it. If there's something I have to explain 50% of the houses, I'm going to try to fix it in the report. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, next question. Seeing many new construction homes with pressure reducing valves and tankless water heaters, they never have an expansion tank. He says, I write this up, but builders always fight it. What are, what's y'all's opinion? It's in the standard. It's non enforcement by probably the AHJ. I mean, we see that a lot. Uh, you know, there's a difference when a builder says, oh, the city doesn't require it. Right. Usually I ask them to rephrase it. The city just didn't enforce it. <laughs> there's a big difference. Uh, we're not there to try to enforce everything they miss, but if it's in our SOP, we put it in there. Yeah. <clears throat> I know there's some PRVs that have the capability to relieve pressure. It's really hard to figure those out without digging them up and looking at the data plate. So they just kind of said expansion tanks. <clears throat> I see okay. a next question about the valve stops. I think that's directed right here. You're not required to operate main valves or ramp shutoff valves. Doesn't mean you can't. A lot of those are restrictions where you don't have to. Right, but you can. But you can. Because this, remember guys, this is a baseline. This is the foundation. It's a, it's go, a minimum. You can go above it. Uh, if you go below it, you got to tell them. If you go above it, you know, you just need to be confident. So. And a lot of times you wish you hadn't gone above whenever you do. I know. All right, so can you advise a client in the service agreement or pre-inspection email that you're not going to say not walk the roof or do you have to verbally inform them? Uh, in writing, right. I think it's a good practice. Do you routinely not walk the roof? I have, I've run across an inspector mm -hmm. who doesn't walk any roofs and he tells the client he's just too old. I don't do roofs. Yeah. And that Stop would- Stop talking crush. about me, Steve. I that. <laughs> I didn't want to give any names, <laughs> but that would qualify with a new trigger on, you know, before you, you know, at first contact, before you do the inspection, your client needs to know you don't do roofs because it might be very important to them. Exactly. I, the question was talking about the service agreement is um, I would, I would probably do it in the body of the email and the service agreement if you want to, uh, just to make sure that you have some kind of you know, evidence that you did notify them in case they ever generated a complaint. Staff, staff gave some examples yesterday that I thought were maybe on the fringe of, you know, on your website. I don't walk roofs. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of, well, I don't think that everybody reads the website or something, but yeah. in the contract, in the inspection agreement would be ideally yeah. a place to put it, but not inspection agreements aren't required uh, by track. So, I know people that don't have inspection agreements. You just got to have some other way to make sure they know. Yeah. Now it doesn't require, you know, you could tell them verbally. It doesn't mean you have to get a response that they understand it. That was specifically, you know, there's not a, you know, a requirement for them to respond. But if you have it in your inspection agreement and they sign your inspection agreement and it's not because it's, like number four font somewhere hidden in somewhere that would <laughs> that basically would meet the meet the intent of the standard good speaking of inspection agreements 
want to tell everybody, January the 29th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., uh, Ben Garrison and Joe Denelier with uh, InterNACHI's insurance, uh, they're going to be discussing insurance for inspectors, claims, inspection agreements, seller's complaints, yeah. track representation, tail coverage insurance, and like actually overall benefits of having water. InterNACHI. You use the last of the milk, so when I... Drop you off. I'm gonna run HEB and get a few things like milk and fresh bread. Steve, Steven, you're not on mute. <laughs> and more right, of like that birthday man. cake one or whatever it is. Okay. Let's see if we get And Steven, I might just buy a few of them because it's easier to use. And you get out as much as you want or as little as you want. Bye, Steve. Steven. <laughs> All right. Uh, someone's asking, can we get the pocket SOP for the 70s? Yeah, uh, uh, or yeah, 7-6. Yeah, uh, Trek's working on that, so they'll have that out. Um, there was, looks like, some questions about it causing damage for the TPE valve. Um, a lot easier. You know, we use the term, you hey, know. Steve, you need to mute yourself. Steven. The, uh, so we use a term, you know, if it failed during inspection. So, or fail during testing. So if we're testing a bathtub on the second floor and we pull the stopper and it starts to leak into the ceiling, uh, no one's feels, no one's excited about that, but it's not something that we negligently did to cause that water to overflow, you know, if it, if it leaks in the, in the drain. Um, so it's always a conversation. Anybody can claim, you know, come after you for whatever. Uh, but typically on the water heater, if it, if it continues to leak afterwards, uh, it'd be something you would want to notify everybody involved in, but I don't necessarily feel like that you, you know, personally, I don't think you're liable, but I think anybody can say you're liable for anything. I mean, the sellers are never excited about having us in their houses and they're blaming us for problems all the time anyway, so. Yeah, well, if you're going to trip that thing, you better know where the exit is and make sure the pipe's connected for you. Yeah. Off that little lever. Otherwise, yeah, you can run into that. Yeah, you got to be very careful. I've, I've replaced a ton of them. Uh, I have a inspector asking, can you add items to the report form that are not listed in the SOP? Uh, you can put it in the other. Yeah, that's kind of what the other is for. So if you had electrical stuff, you want to talk about surround sound or whatever, you can put it here. Um, you know, any anything extra or if you feel like it's, you know, something really obscure or whatever, you want to put it in the optional section under other. Mosquito, you know. Mosquito systems, I see people talking about that in here sometimes. Um, I know that you have to be licensed as pest control, but TDA, as far as I know, don't have doesn't have an inspection form for mosquito systems. So, uh, you know, I think people put a lot of stuff in the other. Yeah, I've, my, I've got another that has, you know, cabinets or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think what the question was asked is where like we have others, can that be changed and you put whatever, say outdoor or uh, whatever uh, rename it and add another one. Instead of just G, you go down the alphabet adding a couple other lines. Can they do that on the report? I I think the conversation was yes. If you're talking about things that are a Above the SOP because everything in the SOP has a section. But if it's not in the SOP, 
then yes, the idea is you add it at the end and you keep the, the, numer the uh, alpha sequence going. You just can't pull something out of a section that's in the SOP and give it its own new one. It would be a sub of wherever it's at. Yeah. Uh, and somebody, someone asked, I don't remember if we answered that or not, can we get to pocket version of the 7-6? That is yes. being done. Trek is, yeah. is working on that. They actually printed. They're going to be available, but they should be pretty quick from what I understand. Yeah, I think they actually printed it for the conference and then they found some errors. And rather than try to give it out and tell everybody what the errors were, they pulled it, they're reprinting it, and they may have it reprinted. So they're going to be, they're working on a distribution system to give them to everybody that wants them at no cost. And some of it might be through the association. Some of it might be just a, you know, ask for it on the website. Uh, they just got to figure out how they're going to do that. But I believe they were supposed to be printed this last week. Yeah. The correct. Yeah, they had hoped to have them ready to, for our convention, but it just didn't yep. happen in that time. So we he did print. It. He did print some, and then they found errors that went. Uh, we probably shouldn't be giving these out. They were typo errors that changes and some typos that just didn't come out right. And, and they're also gonna, I think they're still gonna put a printable one on the website. So if you wanna print it yourself, you can. Good. Uh, it says, can you please clarify what, can we inspect one item such as a roof or foundation and not use a Trek report form? Yes. Beginning of the SO, uh, yeah. Where are we at? Where it talks about single item. I think it's at the end. Because uh, I know you don't have to like on a reinspect. Well, there's a, it talks about single item inspections. It's after departure. I guess before departure. It's a it's called single item. There we go. Let's see. Find it. No, not yet. Departure, departure, enforcement. It was a protocol for single item. I just printed. That's why I'm going through these pages. I just printed one because I didn't want to scroll through. I think we probably need to get clarification because uh, I know there's specific language on reinspections. Um, Maybe it's at the end. Let me get to the end. I think the end is just all optional. Yeah. Okay. Everything administrative. I think it might be a different. <clears throat> Yeah, it's, I thought, yeah, I need to find out. I believe it was at the end, but there's a, I mean, we created that single inspection and it actually gave examples of what it would be. And it would be in a single item, like the, the in the report form, say in the structural part of the report form, you've got what foundation, drainage and grading, roof covering, each one of those is considered a single item. 
So if I did roof covering or roof, okay. If I did just ceilings and floors, the idea is each one of those is considered a single item and you could do it without using the form if you wanted. <laughs> and we'll find the reference for that. Yeah. Uh, someone's just, asking if, there, if the SOP that was on the Trek website had the lines drawn through the section that was deleted and all, is that still available? I don't the, believe the red I line. Yeah. I, I don't believe I so. It, oh, it is in the minutes. So yes. if you go yeah. to meetings, you go to the drop down menu on the far right on meetings, and you go back to one of the meetings, like last spring, and yeah. the materials for those meetings has the red line copy showing yeah. what was struck, what was changed. And if you get the one that probably goes to the Trek Commission, that's the one that got approved with the most recent changes. And that's the one they took, took out all the line throughs and we're looking at here. So we got about 10, I was just gonna skim through here because we didn't hit everything. So I was just gonna hit the few, few items we didn't talk about real quick and then. And I've got to go. I've got to yeah. take somebody to a therapy appointment. It starts in 12 minutes. Okay. Have fun, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate it, Steve. Okay. All right, so I'm just going to skim through these, and I know this might generate some questions, but if we run out of time, you can email or whatever. Uh, we we did some stuff with the doors, so we separated this out because it used to read. Um, it was kind of a run-on sentence, so we just put we separated these into bullet points, basically, for uh, separation between a gar attached garage and a living space. And then we also put on there, we added the self-closing mechanism. Because that device that wasn't in there in the past on the SOPs. Um, down here so, we had. So you're telling me that the garage door from the garage going into the house has to have some type of closing device. Yes. But once it's open, it closes itself. Correct. Just for those annoying springs. Yeah. Um, and then we put all the bullet points in here on how the door has to be constructed for firing. Um, the bullet points were always in there. It was just in a sentence that didn't make a lot of sense, so we just clarified. We had the fall protection. We talked about that. That's, uh, and then we added, you know, in the fireplace section, we did this in every gas fixture, everything that could have gas, and then we added, uh, where is the fireplace? Here we go. We added the, uh, the comment about a gas fixture. So a gas fixture, got to report deficiencies in a gas fixture installed in the fireplace, not associated with the gas distribution system. We added that verbiage in almost every section that has, uh, could have a gas appliance. We added the 250, we just changed 240 to 250 to reflect what the code reads. Uh, we listed out all the locations of the GFCIs. Uh, just, just so people know how to test that uh, 240 or 250 volt like the dryer. Yes, sir. Uh, what what type of tool or instrument do they need, Sean? Well, again, like we're not specifying the tools in here, but uh, like what I use is just a little pigtail, you know, just to check to make sure there's power there. We wanted to make sure the inspectors uh, didn't have to check for polarity or uh, do a lot of detailed testing on the 250. You just got to make sure there's power there. Um, so I think it's because that one's talking about uh, trip ties. 
That's the yeah, that little, that little thing you use, the same thing I use too. It, it's yeah. a very inexpensive little thing. It's got a little light on the end of it that says it's yeah. hot or not. And two wires, you stick them in and find that, that you've got the right. two wires. Yeah, and they're, two yeah they're cheap. So yeah. initially, initially we put the 250 in with this, but this one talks about with the 125 volt receptacles, determining the presence of power, correct, uh, correct polarity, presence of grounding. We didn't want the inspector to have to do that with all the, with a 250. So we just said, okay, if there's a dryer receptacle, there's no dryer there. You just need to check the term of the presence of power. And we're not gonna get involved in all the polarity or if the neutral separated and all that, as far as the SOPs go. Because uh, that came again out of an inspector that was disciplined for not checking one. So we felt like we need to address it in a new standards update. Um, again, the heater section, we just clarified that, uh, let's see, required right here. Gas leaks in the heating equipment not associated with the gas distribution system. So we just worked hard to try to make sure that people understood there was a gas leak with the heating equipment, you report it here. If not, you put it in the gas distribution. Then we talked about the drop already, 15 to 22, uh, or fails to cool adequately as determined by other industry accepted methods. So this is all the people that don't wanna do drops. You got an or right here. You choose how you want to check a system. Yeah, but however you check it, you need to tell on the report what you did, yeah. how you determined if it was functioning properly or not. Yeah, and I would just encourage everybody to be able to have something to fall back on because we've had a lot of comments about people just going in and seeing if it feels okay. Um, and that's very hard if there's any kind of enforcement action, it's very hard to defend. It felt okay to me that day. Uh, yeah, I had, I had another question pop up. So, in multiple, if multiple inspectors are at an inspection, not sponsored inspectors, what line would you add the additional inspections inspectors to? Um, like Steve was saying earlier, a lot of the softwares allow for, and you know, uh, Trek would like them to all be listed here. A lot of the softwares will wrap around, um, or uh, I. I mean, I think as long as you get them on the report, additional information, you list out the inspectors with their license number. If your software can't do this up here, um, I think the next, next best place would be down here. Um, just notating that, you know, XYZ inspector, inspector number, you know, blah, blah, blah was on site. Uh, maybe your secondary inspector or something. Um, we clarified, we added the word um, down here in the limitation sections of uh, manufacturer, I'm trying to figure out where this is, Fahrenheit, okay, right here. So you do not have, these are all, you do not have to verify the tonnage and manufacture, we had the word manufacturers match because we get the inspectors that have felt like uh, warranty companies and stuff like that, consumers come back to them and say, well, the, this warranty company wouldn't do it because the tonnage wasn't right, they didn't match up right, or the manufacturers weren't matched properly, that's outside the scope of our inspection. Um, 
and we added the words visible material used for water. So we added the word visible to make sure that the inspector was covered, that he can't see in the wall. So if the material changes in there, if they have copper going in the wall and they change over to PVC, um, it starts leaking. That's not a deficiency that we could, or something we could have reported. And then we got the 80 PSI. Um, these are all just changes that we did. You know, some just small clarifications. Uh, we put visible a lot in there. So this is, uh, let's see where this is. XII. I see we're right above the, so we, uh, visible deficiencies. The absence of or visible deficiencies and I pressed, so we added the word visible, temperature press relief valve again. I like that's good. I like that's a good wording on that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, again, we added about the gas leaks. Gas leaks in the water heater not associated with gas distribution. And of course, the uh, entire gas distribution section was added. Spectre shall report location of the gas meter, visible material. So again, we're saying visible, used for gas distribution. Report noticeable leaks, selects gas shutoff valves within six feet of appliance, absence of gas appliance connector, or one that exceeds six feet in length. Uh, so again, we're talking about from the shutoff and, um, and then some more, you know, extends through this. A lot of these were taken out of the old standards that had gas distribution in there. We took those out. You know, we went and dug up, Tony went and dug up some, and we put these in and then modified them. So deficiencies in the shutoffs, gas valves, uh, appliance connector, condition of the system, lack of visible bonding on gas distribution system. So we're not saying it's just limited to CSST. We're saying lack of visible on uh, bonding on gas distribution system, including CSSP. Um, and then lack of, somebody asked about sediments legs earlier, lack of sediment legs. So this goes in the dash, gas distribution system. And here's our limitations. We can't inspect for a sacrificial anoid bonding or for its existent pressure test. We're not pressure testing the system. We're not licensed plumber. We're not lighting anything with an open flame and operating the shutoff valves. And then again, in the appliance section, we just basically added visible a whole bunch, the presence of visible active leaks, the absence of visible backflow prevention, the presence of visible active leaks. Uh, again, on the gas section right here on the range, Gas leaks in the gas range, cooktops and ovens not associated with gas distribution system. Uh, we added down here in the fan section, number one, the lack of mechanical ventilation in a bathroom, if no operable window is present. So that just reflects how the code reads. So if they have a window that opens, it's not required. <clears throat> and then at the bottom, we just moved this section general provisions to reflect how the, all the other sections read. So uh, the old standards of practice had started off with the inspectors not required to, which is not how any other section read. So we just moved that down so that it would be consistent with the rest of the section. So it's just list out what, these aren't changed, they just moved. 
All right, Sean, we've got just a couple more minutes before 11 o'clock, and I don't want to keep you over there because I know you're a busy man, but I want to say how much we appreciate you being on here. If you read in the chats, you see we've got very positive comments, and uh, we've had great attendance uh, yeah. to this uh, Zoom meeting. So I just want to tell you thank you, and thanks for your time on it. And there's a yeah. lot of chats here that, uh, yeah, we're not getting all of them, guys. I'm sorry if we didn't get to answer your question. But, uh, you know, if you have questions, I'm sure you can email me or Sean or Steve, and, yeah. and we'll surely get you an answer back as soon as we can. The biggest thing about it, don't forget the new standards of practice and the required report form 7-6 is mandated as of February 1st. So you're coming right up on it. So if you don't have it ready, you need to get busy and get this thing done if you're going to be doing inspections first part of February. Yep. And I put my uh, email in the chat. So if you have any questions or concerns, I mean, I got elected to the uh, chair position. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but uh, I got put in that position. And my one of my goals is to kind of try to keep a good pulse on the inspector's industry because uh, I am an inspector. I have to live with this stuff that comes out of track just like y'all do. And so any input, any feedback y'all have, attend our meetings, uh, you know, Y'all have the power to help make changes that you things you don't like or don't need to be there. So uh, I, my goal is to make sure that everyone knows that we're open to any kind of changes. And I appreciate Paul asking us to be me to be on here. No, we're honored that you did. We appreciate you doing it, and I hope that the inspection uh, members across the state, with Capri and Internati, will join in and uh, help you guys with wherever we can on it. So. Please attend the meetings. A lot of these things will be live. We can stream them and watch them on your computer yeah. or your smartphone. So, you yeah, there's not an excuse not to participate. We'd love to have everyone participate because, you know, they're always looking for new people to serve on the IAC committee. And, yes. uh, you know, so if you're interested in doing something like that, get with Sean and, uh, you know, express your feelings and, you know, maybe it'll happen for you. Yep. But again, Sean, I appreciate it. I'll go ahead and end the thing because I'm past the time on it. But uh, this meeting will be recorded so you guys can go to the Internatu uh, website and the webinar will be loaded and uh, you can download it again and watch it. So again, oh, and, and Brenda's telling me that you can, even though this was not a Trek approved continued ed class, you can add these two hours to your Internatu uh education log so they are acceptable for that means so all right i appreciate all of you being here thank you very much Thanks, god bless Paul. all of you